Our lesson today is Daniel chapter 3, verses 7 through 18, found on page 777 of your Old Testament Pew Bible. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Accordingly, at this time, certain Chaldeans came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble shall fall down and worship the golden statue. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews who you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods, and they do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought, to, be brought in. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now, if you are ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O King, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Listen to the voice of the Spirit speaking to the church. This story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is one of young Jewish boys who were captured and taken to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. He had planned to educate these young men and give them positions in his government, but from the very start, they were anything but compliant. They refused to compromise their Jewish faith and lifestyle, refused to eat kosher food, refused to bow down to the golden statue King Nebuchadnezzar had built, and then the fiery furnace. This story first brings up dread, the dread that most of us have experienced to one degree or another. Think of those times when maybe you had to go to the doctor's office 
to learn test results or to a hospital room or to a hospice room or maybe a courtroom. You weren't bound and escorted by guards as in our story, but you were bound by chains of necessity and you were probably feeling some dread. Students walked down school hallways and into classrooms every day feeling dread, dread of not being accepted, of having their very personhood, their ideas, their worth questioned and ridiculed. There was a story in the news this fall. Some of you may have seen it. It happened at an elementary school in Florida. It was favorite college spirit day. And a little boy at this school loved the University of Tennessee, but he didn't have a University of Tennessee t-shirt, so he made one. He wrote a large U and a large T on a piece of copy paper. He surrounded it with lines and shapes. He attached it to his orange t-shirt and he was ready for favorite college spirit day. And then he went to school where he was belittled, ridiculed, and bullied because of his shirt. He went to the counselor's office in tears. She consoled him, sent him back to class, and contacted the University of Tennessee. She is my hero, and the university staff also. They sent this young man a large box of UT gear, and they did something else. They asked if he would share his artwork. They used it as a t-shirt design that they now sell, and all the proceeds go to an anti-bullying nonprofit. They even painted a large boulder on the campus orange, and added his design to promote this sale. Love won. I hope some of this little boy's dread was healed. But you know, the sad truth is that someone, someone taught his classmates that it was okay to single him out, to ridicule, him, to bully him, to be so unkind to him. It may have even gotten worse after this. King Nebuchadnezzar was a king's king. He had built Babylon into a wonder of the ancient world, conquered Judah, destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, taken captives and built a golden statue that reached 90 feet in the air. He was a man of power. He gave orders with the clear expectation that the only response was obedience. His rule 
was transactional. He favored you if you obeyed. He had consequences for you if you did not. Throwing you in a fiery furnace, tearing you limb from limb, laying down and destroying your houses, his life was a call and response, an exchange of obedience for survival. And these three Jewish boys that he had favored said, no, no matter what, we will not bow down. We worship only God. Our faith is unconditional, non-negotiable. We will walk through any dread to any fate. This faith that we live and breathe It is ours, and you cannot change our minds and hearts. They went into the furnace, and when they were called out unharmed, the king's commands were just as harsh, but with opposite conditions. Don't worship your God or else became worship their God or else. A transactional life can be a tangled one. The question, what to do about a conditional king, has changed in some ways to these questions for us. How should we live? How do we choose? Where is our true north? It can be easy to lose our way. It can be so easy to justify choices of dishonesty, taking advantage, greed. We have in our history, we can in our present. Spin is almost normative now. Last week, Rebecca Koenigberg and I took our sacred art program to a conference of Christian educators in Little Rock, Arkansas. We shared parts of our program with this group of educators from all over the country, and then we had time for conversations with them. Some of their stories were devastating. There was the story of a six-year-old who absolutely refused to do a puppet project because This child hated the religion it came from. There was the story of a little Jewish boy who was set up by some classmates. Many religious communities in this city keep a very low profile, but some of his classmates suspected he was Jewish, and so one day on the bus, they asked him how he celebrated Christmas. He honestly said, I don't celebrate Christmas because I'm Jewish. And they hurt this little boy with words and fists. Who taught? these children to draw these lines and to hate and hurt those beyond the lines. 
The next day, we visited the Clinton Library. In one of the displays, there was old news footage of the integration of Little Rock's Central High School by nine students, young girls and boys, who would not bow down to segregation and the powerful forces behind it. These children must have known such dread. That day, they walked with calm, measured decorum, looking straight ahead, eyes on God. They walked a gauntlet of fire fueled by hatred, a gauntlet of shouting, hissing, spitting, shoving, kicking. Watching this film, it became very clear that if the National Guard had not been there, these children would have been beaten, maybe killed. It was just that dangerous. They walked down the sidewalk, up the steps, and into that school, and they began to turn this country, leading us back to the truth. The Little Rock Nine Memorial is pictured on the front of your bulletin. These children led in 1957 they were joined by the children who marched in Birmingham, Alabama in May of 1963, the Children's March. They had been ordered not to march, but they did anyway, and their courage and defiance, their sheer numbers, and how they were treated held this nation's attention and laid bare the questions that we needed to ask and to answer. It is good to follow the children. And it is good to remember that while we do, they think we are in the lead, and they are intently watching us. What are we choosing and how? Our children are watching, paying close attention to what we do and what we say as we write our values across every day. What are our children seeing, hearing, overhearing? Are we showing them our belief in love, our beliefs in hope, in respect and kindness? Are we showing them that money and power are not what we value most? Are we following them back to our very best selves, our childhood selves, and giving them our memories and our confessions, as we do. As we are trying to follow them, and they are trying to learn from us, where are we going? Where is this country going? Are we going back, losing ground, returning to prejudice, to segregation, to hatred for those we see as different? Or are we moving toward the beloved community, toward compassion, God's truth, the words of Jesus, 
against all odds, against the pull of history and human nature, against powerful forces of injustice, wealth, power, greed, prejudice? Are we moving in the right direction without apology, no matter what, no bowing down? With our children, we can choose always and only the next right thing. Then, as Mark Miller repeated last Sunday, love wins. We can move. You and I can continue to move toward love each day. And truly, there is no one I would rather follow than the children. Amen.